I don't know. Sorry, you're going to have to edit around that. That's what you get for scaring me. Yes. <laughs> Welcome to Book Talk Etc., a podcast bound to grow your TBR. I'm Tina. And I'm Renee. And this is a conversational podcast about books and more from two Midwest mood readers who are easily distracted by new releases. And today, we're sharing our April Books on the Radar. If you enjoyed listening, we'd love for you to follow us on Apple Podcasts or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And if you have a minute, please consider leaving us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or sharing us on social media. All of this truly helps other book lovers find us. Hey, everyone. It is about to be a brand new month, so we wanted to take the time to invite you to join us on Patreon. Our Patreon group is such a wonderful, supportive community of readers. And if you've ever wanted your reading life to be more of a social experience, this is a great way to find that connection. Becoming a patron is a great way to support our podcast, to meet other readers, and of course, to get access to our exclusive bonus content. For $5 a month, you'll get access to two bonus episodes a month and one live event, which is usually recorded as well, and invites to our BTE Discord server and our Facebook group. And you'll also have access to everything we've created since we started, which is a ton. And you'll also help keep our main show ad-free. Our April live event will be a book club discussion about a highly anticipated book, All That Is Mine I Carry With Me by William Landay. You can also expect our April What's in the Mailbag, which is, of course, a sneak peek of books that may make their way onto the main show, and another episode of Criminally Booked, our true crime and crime fiction pairing show. If you're interested, head to patreon.com slash booktalk, etc., or look for the link in our show notes. And thank you so much for your support. Hey, Renee. Hey, Tina. Very good job. I always I always love hearing all the fun stuff that, that we've done. I know, because it's a surprise. I kind of change the Patreon talk yeah. every month. So I'm always like, all right, what do I want to say this time? This time I really wanted to emphasize the community because it's so, it's great to get, of mm-hmm. course, we get to connect with other listeners, but like they connect with each other too. It's so wonderful to see everyone like being supportive. And at this point, we've it's like a well- oiled machine, our Discord and Facebook groups. It makes me so happy. Yes. There's a lot of friendships going on and just there's always somebody to talk books with. Mm -hmm. And I know you mentioned mailbag and um, I just just got myself a little package. Um, I ordered three books for myself and they're not being, I, I haven't seen anyone talking about them. And actually, I don't even remember where I found them. It's like a whole surprise I forgot I ordered. So anyway, um, I'm going to be sharing those on the next mailbag. That's perfect too. So for book talk later, I wanted to know, I kind of proposed this idea of like, what does your book selection process look like for books on the radar? Mainly because I wanted you to tell me. (laughs) I have no clue how you pick the books that you pick, where they come, where you come up with it. I have my process, but I was curious about your process. But before we do that, let's get into Loving Lately. And even though the weather is not quite spring, at least in my area, it's technically spring, but it's not giving spring yet, I have gotten into a little bit of spring cleaning. And What I've been loving lately are spring cleaning vlogs. Okay? So 
Stick with me. (laughs) Okay. A cleaning vlog is just like any other vlog or any other video. But instead of following someone on an awesome trip or as they read a book or as they do their makeup, we follow them as they deep clean or declutter their home. And you might think, why would I want to watch that? I put it on when I'm cleaning. There's something about that connection. There's something about hearing someone talk about their process, about their hopes for their home. That's really satisfying. It makes me feel less alone. The channel I watch a lot is called This Crazy Life. I really like the creator. Her name is Amanda. She has three kids and her house is beautiful, but not like this, you know, stage home. You can tell people live in it. And sometimes she puts out these super long blogs that are meant to watch as you clean your own home. So it's like a clean with me. She also shares recipes and just ways that she organizes. Her voice is amazing too. I love her voice. It sounds creepy, but I can recognize a good voice when I hear it. And her voice is great. And again, I put it on when I'm cleaning my house myself. And it's very satisfying to have somebody cleaning as you're doing it uh, on your own. Of course, usually when I'm cleaning, I listen to audiobooks, but once in a while, it's nice to take a break or give my ears a break. Mm-hmm. So I thought I would bring this in case anyone else is interested in the cleaning or organizing vlog, or if you're in that mood and want to get inspired, I definitely recommend them. There's plenty of channels that do this. I just stick with This Crazy Life because, I don't know, I don't clean that often. (laughs) I don't need that many channels. (laughs) But if you have a good one, feel free to recommend it to me. Uh, But yeah, that was cleaning vlogs and specifically the channel This Crazy Life. I feel like I should know this, but I don't. Is are these? Is this on YouTube? Yeah. Where, do you, where are you watching? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I should have mentioned this is on YouTube, and I have a TV in the kitchen, so we I throw it on in the kitchen when it's you know when I'm doing dishes or when I'm whatever mopping, doing whatever, and uh, yeah, I'll put it on there. Of course, you know we've got normal TVs and regular rooms as well, but my kitchen is where my cleaning vlogs go. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Like, where where do you find this? It's just on YouTube. Okay. Because, yeah, I usually have my ASMR on, which is the only thing Mm -hmm. I really watch on YouTube. So when I pull up YouTube, then it just gives me a bunch of those. So, yes, yes. There's a, I know there's a whole nother world of YouTube stuff out there. I just haven't discovered it yet. Mm-hmm. Mine is makeup, cleaning vlogs, and Peppa Pig. Like that's what my okay. algorithm looks like. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. All right. My loving lately. I For a second, I thought we might have the same loving lately today because I wondered if this was on your radar, but this is the Ulta's 21 Days of Beauty Sale Mm -hmm. that is going on right now. I just got an email about it today. Now, this is... So when this airs, today's Friday, it'll be Tuesday. This is still going on. It's going on until April 1st. So that's why I felt comfortable bringing that today. And this is a big sale. It's 50% off a variety of must-haves in-store and online until April 1st. So you, I mean, I am hitting up the sale. I just got the email today. I'm I'm still shopping, but I immediately put in my cart one of my previous loving latelys, which was my favorite mascara, which is better than sex. Um, that's normally twenty eight dollars. Right now, it is fourteen. So I am going to grab that, and who knows what else. But I thought because I didn't know about this and it's been going on that maybe other people needed to know about this also. So this is Ulta's 21 Days of Beauty sale going on now. I love their sale. I, of course, knew about it. I think 
have I purchased something yet? I can't remember if I did. Uh, my favorite, and this won't mean anything, it's going to be too late, but my CC cream's on sale tomorrow by It Cosmetics. The CC Plus Cream Illumination SPF 50. Love it. I might dip in there and get a lighter shade. They've got MAC Fix Plus. There are so many good things on sale. I'm like, oh gosh, why'd you have to bring this? Now I've <laughs> remembered <laughs> that there's some stuff that I want to get a ha- my hands on, but I love a good deal. Well, yeah, I mean, 50% off, you can't beat it. If there's things that that you need, like favorites like that, like for me, the mascara, I mean, yeah, can't beat it. That mascara runs all over my face and I'm so mad. I don't know what changed in my body because I used to use it, loved it, stopped, came back to it. It smears everywhere. And I don't know why. I'm very From your top lashes, it smears off your top lashes. Yes. Hmm. And I've used it. I've like tried. I have a sample. Maybe it's a sample, but I don't know. I'm like... I got to I got to figure this out. But also to these deals, if you are a certain member like Platinum or Diamond, they ship for free, which is really nice. Oh, free shipping is always an added bonus. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> okay. Right. Let me tell you about my latest read. I was listening to this one all week. It's The Anthropocene Reviewed by John Green, and this is nonfiction. I love John Green. You probably know him if you've been a reader for any sort of period of time. Of course, he wrote The Fault in Our Stars and many other YA books. But he also has a YouTube channel with his brother, Hank Green, who's also an author. They're the Vlog Brothers. He's got a podcast, Dear Hank and John. There's others. But the, Anthrop- the Anthropocene Reviewed is also a podcast. And really what he does, we are in the, that's our current geologic age. And he talks about how humans have profoundly reshaped the planet and its biodiversity. And these are essays that (laughs) it's kind of funny, especially being that we're book reviewers, because what he does is he picks different facets of the world, things that interest him or things that he, you know, just wants to bring. And, you know, he rates them differently and he wraps up each essay with, we'll say, QWERTY keyboard, 4.5 out of 5 stars. Like he like rates these different things and it's so random. It's QWERTY keyboard, there's sunsets, Canada geese. He's really a huge fan of soccer. So we bring some soccer talk in there. I loved it. I think it helps if you know who John Green is, if you followed him online or you get his humor, but it's such a good balance of funny essays, but really, really thought provoking. I should say he started this project during the pandemic. So he references it a lot, which I think is completely fair. That was very much in people's forefront of their mind during that time. But it's not too heavy. Although what I love about him is he is very open and honest with his own mental illness and his own thoughts and how they you know, kind of start to spiral, particularly during a global pandemic and what that looked like. He's just a really good storyteller. I thought this was a great essay collection. And again, it just feels like you're listening to a friend tell you about interesting things. There are some essays that are really, really sad, some essays that are just funny and, you know, interesting. I would say these essays will make you think about what it's like to be living in this very moment in time, what it's like to be a person. Gosh, I I can't even give you specifics about what tickled me so much about this essay collection. I will tell you this. I had the audio, started listening. By the time I was out of the first one, I had already ordered it on Pango. <laughs> like 
like I was oh. like, oh, I want to, I want a print copy of this. He is so much more than the Fault in Our Stars guy. I really, really love John Green, and this was perfect for me. It is the Anthropocene Reviewed by John Green. Okay, good. I'm glad you brought that because I it, I've seen the title around, but I really didn't know anything about it. Yeah, and it's almost hard to explain because it's just little essays about life and mm-hmm. <laughs> about the world and its observations. It's about his family. It's about his kids. Like it's really, really neat. I liked it a lot. Okay. So funny that um, our latest reads could probably be a bit of a book flight with each other. Ooh, I know. And, and just hearing what you just said about it, I'm, I'm thinking they could be. Okay. My latest read is called A Short Guide to a Happy Life by Anna Quinlan. Now, Anna Quinlan is a novelist, um, but she also has many nonfiction books. And in this book, she reflects on what it takes to, quote, get a life, meaning to live deeply every day from your own unique self rather than merely to exist through your days. And that's really what it's about. It is, it's a, it's a small book, like literally physically small. It's about half the size of a hardcover. I am, I'm not lying when I say I have had this book, which I bought in December, sitting in my kitchen next to the bananas on a little, (laughs) on a little like, I don't know what you call this thing we platform? have. It's a wooden it's a wooden platform that okay. I have. I have the bananas, I have a little plant, and I have this book sitting in the middle since December because I knew I wanted to read it and just haven't. And I messaged you like 2 days ago. So I think our listeners will kind of appreciate knowing that this happens to us sometimes. I messaged you and I said, "My reading is broken. Nothing sounds good." <laughs> and I just did not know what to read. And so two nights ago, I was like, you know what? I'm getting frustrated. I'm just going to pick this book up. And I I read it in less than an hour. It's 50 pages. And that's that's 50 pages, but there's pictures throughout the book and they're very relaxing. These are essays, but not really long essays. I mean, a page might be a paragraph. And it's really a collection of very short snippets of her life and the lessons that she's learned. And often those lessons have been truly life-changing. And she tries to put that into perspective in a way that that could be relatable for anyone picking this book up. I would say... You could read this at any time. I what I especially loved about this. Not only did it take my mind off of anything else and just kind of I it felt I felt like it recentered me. I especially loved and agree with what she says is the greatest gift we get in our lives. Which if you're curious about what that is, you'll have to pick this up and find out. But for me, um, this is a timeless hug of a book, and it's one I'll return to again and again. So that was A Short Guide to a Happy Life by Anna Quinlan. Oh, good. I'm glad you did that. I'm glad you you saw it. It was sitting in front of you the whole time, but you had to wait till the right time to grab it. Apparently. Isn't that weird? Funny how that works. I know. That's like when I discovered I owned Gabrielle Zevin's book, The Storied Life of A.J. Fickrey. I was like, I mm-hmm. have never 
this book has been on my shelf. I couldn't have told you that she wrote it. I didn't. Even, I had vaguely heard the title, but it just like jumped out to me at the right time. And I loved that book. I'm like, man, what all? What other treasures are hiding? I always, that's what I always think about when I think about books I've owned for a long time. I'm like, dang it, mm-hmm. what else is hiding in there? And that's kind of why I hoard books a little bit. <laughs> well, I think they wait for us, right? I mean, that's this true. one was literally in my sight every single day. But for whatever reason, I was, I don't even know what I said to myself. I want to read it, but not today. Right, <laughs> and I have been right. doing that for like three months. All right. Well, I'm glad you got to it. This is a perfect segue though into what I wanted to chat with you about today. All right. I'm curious and I would like to know, and I'm sure readers would as well. What is a typical day look like for you, particularly as it relates to how you fit in reading? And has it changed since we started the show? Okay. Yeah, I can start. And then I want to hear from you. I want to hear your thoughts too. A typical day for me, and my day looks different now in the last two years since we started the podcast, because before then I was working at Ohio State and then within COVID and stuff, I stopped. So now my day revolves a lot around the the podcast mainly and reading. So how how I do it, I don't and and a lot of what I do is very fly by the seat of my pants. I typically like I get up and right away start have my coffee and start looking. I have subscriptions as far as like things that are coming into my email inbox. I do a lot of research. I do a lot of bouncing around and reading bits and pieces of articles and snippets and information. I just, I love to take in data and I spend a lot of time doing that. And a lot of that is going towards our newsletter and things that I find and things that I find interesting. I pop on Facebook, I pop on Discord. And then I am depending on what our topic is and depending on what my mood is, I'll Google, I'll go through NetGalley, I'll sometimes go through Goodreads, but not that often. But I am always filtering and shifting and looking and seeing what books are going to pop up as well as just interesting information out there in the book world. So that I kind of cycle through doing all of that in my morning. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you have like a routine? Like it sounds like that's pretty standard. It is standard. Yeah, okay. I spend, I do this every morning. Every day, okay. Yeah, yeah. and even, even though I said I was going to not be on screens <laughs> as much in the morning because I was going to like not be on screens and journal and all that, I, I've just told myself, I love to do this. This is what I love to do. I have coffee and just spend time doing this. So I, I try to not only fit in every day I ask myself, if I don't have a book that I'm currently reading, then I am trying to figure out what mood I'm in. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I am trying to find a book that fits that mood. Now I have the time right now that I can do that. And so I do try to, and because the we do so much for the podcast, I filter through a lot of books, reading synopsis, reading, looking for my buzzword, looking for like what, you know, what's going to hit me. 
And then my day will go on from there. Mm, that makes sense too. Okay. Yeah. Mine's obviously different. I am very... <laughs> uh, there's not really a routine to it in, in so far <laughs> as to say, you know, of course you wake up. I immediately look at my phone. I am the poster child for probably having too much screen time. So don't listen to me <laughs> if you're looking to be less on your phone. I will wake up and I usually fall asleep with the Kindle in my bed. So I try to look at the time, of course. And then I'm like, oh, let me get some reading in. I do my reading super duper early in the morning. And that's why I hate starting new books because I find if I'm not already in a book, I'm like, well, what's going on on TikTok? Let me just like peek. And then I see, dang it, I've wasted 20 minutes just laying here looking <laughs> at videos. So I really appreciate when I'm already in a book and then I can like wake up and like hop right into it. So I sleep with my Kindle <laughs> probably in my bed. <laughs> I wake up, get Lily ready. Sometimes if I'm not going into the office, I will grab my ear, my AirPods and switch then to my audiobook. I like to have my e-galley or my electronic book on my Kindle and then something going in my ears. Sometimes it's the same book. A lot of times it's not, though. If I'm not going in, I'll listen to it here and there. And then depending on what I'm doing for work, I can also listen. I don't do great with that. I do have to pay attention if I'm listening, um, unless it's nonfiction. John Green's book was really great for having on when I was doing work that didn't require me to like talk on the phone or whatever. And then really I don't read a lot after that. I I until around dinner time. And then I'll try and pop an AirPod in as I'm like making dinner or doing whatever. Parents of young children know the witching hour is a challenge. <laughs> Lily is not great with going to bed. She used to be amazing 7:30 on the dot and then of course she grows up as as they do. <laughs> and so now it's like 9.30, 10. I'm like, Jesus, go to bed. <laughs> and so I would love to, in a perfect world, I would sit down after she's in bed, go in our wood room, go down here. I'm in our basement little office area and light a candle and read. Now I just pass out. <laughs> so <laughs> it, I would say, and, and I'm sharing this because I'm hoping that if you're a parent of a young child or more than one, you can recognize that there are pockets where you can still get reading in. You might not be reading everything in one sitting. Sometimes I would love to do that. Sometimes I can, especially on the weekend. I'll throw my Kindle on and, you know, she's bopping around and I'm reading on my Kindle. But more often than not, it's fits and starts. It's little bits here and there. But that makes for a lot of reading. And I would say, too, I was just sharing this with Renee last week. I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel like the bridge is burning as I'm walking across it <laughs> because <laughs> I will literally close a book and then record almost immediately and tell you all about that book, which is great. I'm keeping up, but I'm also, when we have these books on the radar episodes, I think both of us are like, oh, okay, we get a little break because it's only one book that we have read. So right. we get a little bit of a reprieve. And I don't think though, I will say my reading has not changed since starting the show. It's very similar to what I did previously. The one thing I would say is of course now I do have our show topics in mind. So we typically know what we're going mm -hmm. to be recording weeks to months in advance. And we stick pretty well to it, I think. And so, like, I know we have a topic coming up, for example. There's a book I really want to read. I'm like, okay, I'm going to earmark this for two weeks from now because I know I'm going to want to. And it's nice because that allows me to put holds on it if I don't have a copy. 
I typically put holds on all formats. I want a digital. I want to print if I have it. I want an audio just because you never know what it's going to look like. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's basically it. My favorite thing to do every weekend is, this sounds really sad. I have a fun life. I promise. I do socialize <laughs> and talk to other people, <laughs> but I love going into the weekend, starting a new audiobook and finishing it that same weekend. Cause you have you know, oh, your weekend yeah. things, but I'm like, I already know what one I'm going to read this weekend. I'm going to tell you all about it. It's my current read, but yeah, that's kind of my process. Yeah. I think uh, I'm so glad you shared that because y- your method, because we're in very different life phases yeah. and I don't have kids at home. So I do have a lot of people ask me how you do it. And because you, we both read similar amounts, really often you read more than I do. Yeah. And you're able to fit that in with busy, with a busy job and, and a yeah. young kid at home. I think I do better as a person when I'm busier. And when I say better, you know, it's not better to read more, but for me, I like my body and my brain work well when I'm busy. So I find like, especially if I have a bunch of books going in a row, then that's good for me. Although I, right now I'm in a thriller mystery rut. (laughs) I'm trying to get out of it. I can't. And I think you said the same thing. Mm -hmm. I cannot get away from mystery and thriller. And I'm, I'm like almost leaning into it. I'm like, you know what? Our listeners will stick with us. It's a season, I'm sure. You know, we'll we'll go into literary fiction or something different, you know, but I just I find I I can't get away from them lately. Yeah, I'm with you. I do think I well, okay, so my reading tends to be more heavy in the evening. So mm-hmm. you're a morning reader, yes. I'm an evening yeah. reader, although throughout my day I have the opportunity to listen to audiobook when I'm walking Vinny. I'm always usually listening to an audiobook and really I don't have I don't have one going right now and I was a big grump on the walk today. <laughs> oh. And it's it's like muddy out and he was getting all wet and muddy oh, and I and I and it's worst. freezing. Yesterday it was like 68 and today it's 38. And I and I don't have an audiobook and I'm just grouchy. Uh, oh yeah, it's the worst. <laughs> when I same if I don't have an audiobook, I get so mad. And this season right now, like the literal season, it's like my coat is so dirty because I wear it every time I'm outside. <laughs> I haven't had a chance to get it dry cleaned or whatever. And I'm just with you. The weather has to break soon. I'm gonna lose it if I don't get to go outside <laughs> here in a little bit. And I'm an indoor cat. I don't even need to be outside like that. But I'm like, okay, can we have like a couple days above 45 degrees, please? Right. And sun. Anyway. <laughs> right. Well, okay. To circle back for these particular episodes, I have a bit of a, a different strategy. And then I want to hear what your, yeah. your strategy is. Like you, I have also been in a mystery and thriller mood. But when it, when it comes time to pick my books on the radar, and I try to do this every month, and I definitely tried to do this this month, I try to pick a variety because I can bring you four mysteries and thrillers easily every single month, but I try not to do that because I want to not only challenge myself to find other bo- find as many other books as possible to th- that I think sound good because these are always books that I think sound good and that I would ideally really like to read. I would like to profile and pick at least one debut. So I'm on the lookout for that. And by variety, I end up like, I try to maybe bring a nonfiction if I can find one. 
one thriller, one debut, and then I leave it open. But that's kind of how I choose my books on the radar. And I try not to pick something that I know is going to be super, super, super buzzy because I feel like our books on the radar is also a chance to shine a light on maybe some titles that would fall under people's radar because everybody's focusing on more buzzy books. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I have a similar mindset in terms of the books that I end up selecting. Here's how I figure it out, though. I'll go to my NetGalley and see what I've gotten approved for for this particular month. I asked our patrons in our Facebook group last week, how do they keep track of new releases, what they want to read, their TBR? And like folks were sharing the way that their methods that work. And I was so glad because it just finally, finally dawned on me. I'm like, duh, I've been doing this so many years. Just get a notebook. Get a notebook. Don't worry about any of it. So now what I have is a, a plain notebook, one page for each Tuesday. And on that Tuesday, like coming up is March 28th. Great. I have the releases that are coming out. And then at the top, I have our episode topics. So that way I'm always thinking ahead, okay, what could I be reading for which episode? I also have written down where I own them. So do I have it on Libro FM? Is it a library book? Do I own the physical copy? Where is this thing? <laughs> so that you know I can remember <laughs> what format I have it. And it's been a game changer already. And then as I get new books in the mail, boom, immediately it goes in my notebook. So duh, took me seven years <laughs> or whatever. It's been a long <laughs> time. But I've, I think I got my format now. So I'll go to my notebook, see what's coming out that I already have access to. And then I finish up in Idlevice. If you go to review copy and then sort by month, you can see a massive list of the books that are coming out. And that's what I use to create and help, you know, some of the content for our newsletter, as well as just like being curious and figuring out what I want to bring for Radar. I also love debut. I also love particularly books with authors of color. I try to bring half books from a diverse perspective, if not more than that. I think what do we bring for a mm -hmm. month? And definitely they're all books I want to try. I've been really good about reading my books on the radar or at least downloading them, trying them. So I'm kind of proud about that. I want mm -hmm. to continue that trend. Now, I will say I've DNF'd a lot of my own books on the radar, but I'm totally <laughs> fine with that. And I find too that you and I always, one of us will predict or select a book of the month pick and or a celebrity book club pick every time. And it's not like we're looking for that, but yeah, mm -hmm. it just kind of, I think that's, our taste. Yes, I agree. You've got me curious about your notebook method. <laughs> Are you making note of when a book comes in that you have a copy of that also might be for the show? You're just putting like... No. So the Tuesdays are just listed, right? So it's every Tuesday. And then if it's available, I'll put our episode topic. They're not related. I will then just yeah. list whatever books come out that day. And then I'll go back to, it's helpful because if I'm like, okay, you know, I'll kind of, if if I know, for example, we're doing, I don't know, I can't even think, what have we done? Kindle Graveyard. Well, that's mm -hmm. a bad example because those are not new releases. But if I'm like, okay, we're going to do a science fiction episode. We haven't yet, but whatever. I'll look then on either side and try and figure out, okay, you know, what books have I gotten recently? Um, so that's how I use it. It's really helpful for books on the radar, and then for our easily distracted by new releases episode, because then I just have it all listed there. So that's kind of what I okay. do. Okay. All right. Well, this is good. I think 
we've given a little glimpse into just behind the scenes how much how many titles and books we have circulating through our minds and our and our screens and, and our homes which is kind of it is fun i love it oh yeah but there are just we're always like we're always thinking and doing and organizing our books it's uh-huh. a never ending process. Yeah. And I love it. I hope it never ends. <laughs> Truly. I know. I love it. <sighs> I love it too. All right. We well, better let's... share these books on the radar titles. Yes, we better. Now let's get into the books. There are a lot that I'm looking forward to, but I've already mentioned on the show as shelf editions. I mentioned a bunch of them previously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Two that I want to highlight, I, I would be remiss without mentioning Ascension by Nicholas Binge comes out on April 11th. And I'm so happy the month is here that this releases because I've had this, I think I put it on my radar last summer and I was so, it sounds so great. So take a look at that if you haven't heard of it. And then of course, Symphony of Secrets by Brendan Slocum. That one comes out on April 18th. So neither of those are my picks today, but I was like, oh, I have to mention them because I'm so jazzed about them. My first book, I'll start is a kind of a departure for me. I was looking for genres. I think I had it in my head. I'm like, all right, let's not bring all mystery thriller. So my first <laughs> book is Coronation Year by Jennifer Robeson. This one comes out on April 4th. And I picked this because she is the author of The Gown. It's historical fiction. I really liked The Gown. And I'm really curious about it. So it's set in 1953, which is a coronation year. And the new queen is about to be crowned. The people of London are in a mood to celebrate, and none more so than the residents of the Blue Lion Hotel. So you've got several different characters. Edie Howard is the owner and operator of the Blue Lion, which used to be this like kind of really successful place, but now it's floundering a little bit. However, the miracle she's been waiting for is going to happen. Queen Elizabeth and her gold coach will pass by the hotel's front door allowing Edie to charge a fortune for rooms and basically save her place and save the place that she lives. So she's really excited. And she's about the same age as the young queen. So she's like, all right, this is going to be the thing that saves me. You've got Stella Donati. She's a young Italian photographer and Holocaust survivor who's living in the Blue Lion as she takes up a position at a magazine. Because again, she's a photographer She's learning the ins and outs of her new profession and just, you know, has a lot of hope for the future. Finally, you've got James, who's a war hero and a gifted artist. and He has struggled to make his mark in a world that disdains his ancestry. It sounds like he's Native American, but he's at the Blue Lion as well, and he's made to feel welcome and worthy. He begins his friendship with Edie, but he begins to suspect that something is badly amiss at the hotel. So it sounds like he starts to expect or suspect that the finances aren't what they should be. So anyway, there's something that's going to potentially happen on Coronation Day. They're all excited, but now they're a little bit anxious. And it sounds like Edie and her friends must race to uncover the truth, save their home, and expose those who seek to erase the joy and promise of Coronation Year. So I like historical fiction when it's set in a I like it in many forms, but this sounds very accessible. I haven't read a historical fiction like this I could not tell you the last one. So I hope this will be my reintroduction to a genre that I used to read and enjoy, but it's been a while. So this one is Coronation Year by Jennifer Robeson. Okay. All right. Good. I don't think I brought any historical fiction. So that's good. All right. 
We might have a real variety today. A real variety. Let's see. Okay. My first book is This Bird Has Flown by Susanna Hoffs. This comes out April 4th. And this initially crossed my path and got on my radar because of the cover and the title. Both both those together, I was I really love this title. Then I did a little digging, and Susanna Hoffs is one part of the music group The Bangles, which mm. yeah. So um in 1991, she co-founded The Bangles. And I grew up in the 80s. So I, of course, we love like my girlfriends and I loved. Uh, Manic Monday. I'm sure everyone remembers that song, Walk Like an Egyptian. So that's such a blast from the past. And then she also went on to appear in the Austin Powers movies, which I didn't know. And she has played herself on season one of The Gilmore Girls, which I also didn't know. So this is a novel. And this is about Jane Start, who is 33, broke, and recently single. 10 years before Jane had a hit song, It was a smash hit, but she hasn't had a breakout since. And now she's living out of four garbage bags at her parents' house and is reduced to performing karaoke tracks in Las Vegas, which I kind of love that. I I, I love Vegas. I was like, oh, okay. And karaoke, come on. Then one day, her longtime manager, Pippa, decides to send Jane to London to get herself regrouped, And on the flight, Jane is seated next to an intriguing stranger, the other Tom Hardy. And this Tom Hardy happens to be an elegantly handsome Oxford professor of literature. And it sounds like Jane is instantly attracted to Tom and not too soon after becomes truly inspired. But there are secrets brewing in this story. And it's not Jane's past alone that haunts her... second chance at stardom and at love. So the question is, what else is it? And another secret, is Tom all that he seems? The publisher is billing this as an exploration of love, passion, and the ghosts of our past with a glimpse inside the music business that could only come from someone with inside knowledge. So I do love the sound of that. Like I said, this is a debut. I like that it sounds like it could be funny, but also with substance. And I also really like Little Brown is publishing this. And I do think that they publish a lot of high quality, often literary fiction. So it makes me think that this is going to have a bit of a literary slant, which is really my mood lately too. So I'm looking forward to this. It's The Bird Has Flown by Susanna Hoffs. Oh, that one does sound like a Renee book for sure. I could see why you picked that. Yes. Even despite the fact that I, I'm hit or miss with celebrities oh, yeah. Slash, yeah, yeah. slash musicians writing novels. You like, I, you say you don't like music. It's funny, but you, you like a music you, you like a musician in your fiction. I do. I mean, I do like, yes. Because, I think because I don't know much about it, that it, uh, it's interesting to me. But where I, I kind of veer off the path sometimes is, is real-life celebrities and real-life yeah. musicians tr- writing a novel. Because you're always kind of like, can you write them? I, mean, I know. We don't know, right? <laughs> it's a gamble. But, yeah. but of course, why not? Like, I give it a chance. I want to give it a chance. I mm-hmm. hope— it pans out because also this is perfect to keep in my back pocket in between darker reads. 
For sure. Yes. Mm -hmm. Speaking of giving authors a second chance, I'm going to share my second book. It is Life and Other Love Songs by Anissa Gray. This one comes out on April 11th, and she is the author of The Care and Feeding of Ravenously Hungry Girls, which I thought was okay. I didn't love it, um, but I do love her titles. Both of those titles are pretty great. This one, it takes place in a warm, bright October afternoon in Orzo Armstead, walks out into the brilliant sunshine on his 37th birthday. At home, his wife, Deborah, and daughter, Trinity, prepare a surprise celebration. And down the street, his brother waves as he heads back into the office after having lunch together. But Orzo won't make it to the party or even to his briefcase back at his desk. He disappears. In the days, months, and years that follow, Deborah and Trinity look forward and backward to figure out what happened. They're trying to piece together the life of the man they love, but then they're coming to realize that they may have never known him truly. It takes place from the Great Migration to 1970s Detroit to 1990s New York, and you follow the hopes, triumphs, losses, and secrets that build up and tear apart an American family. What book does this remind you of, if any? Oh, there's a lot because a lot, of, a, lot. Have, a lot of people have disappeared. Yes. Black Cake is what it's giving me because he's oh, not okay. dead as the, the setup for Black right. Cake is the mom has passed, but it's giving me missing. We and mm-hmm. In their absence, we now are finding out a ton of things that we previously didn't know about this person. And this one particularly, though, takes place all in the U.S. But I'm very curious. What happened to him? Where'd he go? Did he mean to disappear? Did he? What happened? So anyway, I will report back. I have a copy of this. It is Life and Other Love Songs by Anissa Gray. Okay, good. I, I will never not be intrigued by a by disappear story. Yes, oh. yes. Yes. Okay. My next book is The Fitful Sleep of Immigrants by Orlando Ortega Medina. Comes out April 18th. This is an own voices story inspired by events from the author's own life. This book is set in the 1990s in San Francisco. The story is said to explore the intersection of immigration and LGBTQ plus issues in a powerful family drama that is also a legal thriller. I love the sound of all of that. This is about attorney Mark Mendez. He is the estranged son of a prominent rabbi and a burned out lawyer with addiction issues. And he is plotting his escape from the big city to a more peaceful life in Napa Valley. But before he can realize his dream, the U.S. government summons his Salvadorian life partner, Isaac, to immigration court, threatening him with deportation. So as the story goes on, Mark will battle to save Isaac. And at the same time, his world will become further upended by a dark and alluring client who aims to tempt him away from his messy life. So Mark becomes torn between his commitment to Isaac and the pain-numbing escapism offered by his client. And it sounds like Mark is going to reach a point where he is forced to choose between the lesser of two evils while confronting his own demons of past addiction and guilt over the death of a previous lover. Now, this has already gotten a starred review from Kirkus Reviews, who said that this works well as a twisty romantic melodrama and also as an expose of the cruelties of immigration law. And they called it a riveting yarn with a charismatic tempter. So I don't, that, I, I'm intrigued by this. 
Also, the author himself is an immigration attorney, and I have had really good luck in the past with books written by lawyers or former lawyers. Those seem to work really well for me. So this is The Fitful Sleep of Immigrants by Orlando Ortega Medina. I like it. And that's a good idea to look at Kierkegaard to see if it's gotten a starred review. Yeah. Well, I'm leaning towards looking for like Publishers Weekly what have, and start and Kirkus over random blurbs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Agree. <laughs> blurbs are tough. I love, there's nothing I love more than reading a blurb and thinking, how did you manage to say absolutely nothing? Like this is just like a whole <laughs> lot of nothing. Not every blurb. But oftentimes I'm just like, huh, okay. A true tour de force. Great. <laughs> like, really? Yeah. Is that what you really thought? <laughs> uh, oh, actually, wow. This is perfect. Let me tell you the blurb about my upcoming book. It is a remarkable feat of literary conjugation. So hopefully that's know. true. Well, I'd have to Google that word. I think I may have said it wrong. <laughs> conjuration. 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 So a remarkable feat of literary conjuration. I don't know. Come on. It's Jennifer I don't know what that means. I don't either. It's Jennifer Hayes. She wrote the uh, book Mercy Street, which I brought a while ago. So the book itself that I'm that she's blurbing is Pomegranate by Helen Elaine Lee. Comes out on April 11th. And this was a real cover made me do it. I'm like, Pomegranate? What is this about? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's the open pomegranate. I'm like, come on. And wow. Okay. It is about a woman named Renita Atwater who is getting short. She's almost done with her four-year sentence for opiate possession at Oak Hills Correctional Center. She's been sober for three years and is determined to stay clean and regain custody of her two children. She has gotten very used to saying, my name is Renita and I'm an addict again and again at recovery meetings. But who else is she? Who has she chosen to become? Who can she become? And as she claims the story housed within her pomegranate-like heart, she is determined to confront the weight of the past and discover what might lie beyond mere survival. And she's regaining her freedom as she heads back into the world, but she's leaving behind her now lover, Maxine, who had inspired her to imagine herself and the world differently. Now she's got to steer clear from temptations that pulled her down previously and she has to atone for her previous missteps and face old wounds. And it sounds like there's a fierce, smart, and sometimes even funny voice. She talks about how rocky and winding the path to wellness can be for a Black woman, even as she draws on family, memory, faith, and love in order to choose life. <gasps> love this, uh, everything mm. about what I just said. It's for fans of Jessamyn Ward and Yaa Jesse, And it's a complex portrayal of queer Black womanhood and marginalization in America. I'm really interested to hear this one. And yeah, just wanted to bring it to the show. Make sure you all got it on your radar. This one is Pomegranate by Helen Elaine Lee. Comes out on April 11th. Okay, good. Never heard of that. So I'm glad you brought it. <laughs> all right. My next pick is Saturday Night at the Lakeside Supper Club by J. Ryan Stradle. Comes out April 18th. And I chose this because I have wanted to read this author because he focuses on the Midwest and I have never read his books. I know he's really popular. So this one, the title grabbed me and it's about Mariel and her husband, Ned. And it seems like Mariel needs a break and her husband, Ned, is having an identity crisis while at the same time, 
the beloved restaurant that is has been in Mariel's family, which is the Lakeside Supper Club, is bleeding money. You also have Mariel's mother, Florence, who is stubbornly refusing to leave the church where she's been holed up for more than a week. And at the same time, Mariel's grandmother has embraced the business. She has been the one that has kept it afloat. She has seen it as a saving grace for the family. But Florence has been the one that has, I guess, from what it sounds like, has not taken to the restaurant, although she is part of it. So when Muriel ends up inheriting the restaurant, skipping over Florence, it creates a rift between mother and daughter. Cut to Ned, her husband, who also is an heir to a chain of homestyle diners. And it sounds like we have going on is a whole lot of restaurant shenanigans, drama, and something happens that is going to fracture the family and leave them kind of with their dreams being dashed. And I don't even want to know what that is. And I do think that the blurb gives too much away. So I kind of skipped over that. And I'm being really vague to skip over it for you because I kind of wish I didn't know it. So anyway, let's we'll all skip over that. What happens when Ned and Muriel have to decide, can they rebuild their lives? Can they rebuild anything in terms of a restaurant? And will the Lakeside Supper Club be their salvation? This is being billed by the publishers as an ode to the vanishing world of relish trays and brandy old fashions and a lovable yet fallible Midwestern take on characters in their lives in terms of love, loss, and marriage with a focus on what we hold on to and what we leave behind. So that was Saturday Night at the Lakeside Supper Club by J. Ryan Straddle. Mm-hmm. Now that I know and I'm putting it together, the other books he wrote, I understand. I saw that was on your list. I'm like, huh? <laughs> That would not have struck me as one that you would have picked. But yes, all of what you said, I'm like, ah, that makes sense. Yeah, I want to hear what he has to say about the Midwest. I do too. I've heard great things. Yeah, you know what really got me in that whole entire description was the mention of the vanishing world of relish trays because my grandma still always called uh, like, (laughs) I'll bring the relish tray. Oh my God, I love that. She's not here anymore. And but. As soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, okay. I want to hear what he has yeah. to say about the Midwest. And You know what's so funny? We I talk about this in my family often, is we always have to have olives at every family party. There's olives slash pickles on the table. I was like, I think this is like weird. <laughs> like, I don't think everybody <laughs> does this. Is that a part of a relish tray? The olives and stuff? Maybe. I don't know because I don't like olives. Oh. I don't even like... I, when I think of relish trays, I always think of celery, which I also hate. I don't like, no. So I am not big on the relish tray. You're like, no although thanks, I, pass. The, the term reminds me. Got it. It feels very Midwest yes, from, the old, feels like from a, the old days. It feels like a very Midwestern thing. I love a good relish tray. Put me in. Like, I don't need a meal. Like, I will dig around <laughs> the relish tray if it's what I'm thinking. Oh, oh that's so funny. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to take us to 
not the Midwest, for my next book. It is Adelaide by Genevieve Wheeler. Comes out on April 18th. This will be hit or miss. I don't know if I'm going to like this or not, but I did like the setup. It's about 26-year-old Adelaide Williams, who's an American living in dreamy London. She meets Rory Hughes, and it was like a lightning bolt out of the blue. This charming Englishman was, capital, the one that she wasn't even looking for. But is that enough? Does he respond to texts? No. Does he honor his commitments? Not really. Make plans sometimes. But when he shines his light on her, the world makes sense. And Adelaide is convinced that in his heart, he's fallen just as deeply as she has. And I'm like, oh my God, bless your heart. I was 26 <laughs> once too. Maybe like more like 21. But then something happens. Rory is rocked by an unexpected tragedy. And Adelaide does everything in her power to hold him together, even if it means losing herself in the process. I'm like, oh gosh, what happens? But when love asks too much of us, how do we find the strength to put ourselves first? Sounds like this got a lot of honesty, a lot of heart. This is a debut. And it explores grief and mental health while capturing the timeless nature of what it's like to be young and in love with your friends, with your city, and with a person who cannot and will not love you back. I mean, very relatable. I, I'm i worried. I, I don't know. I can't wait to see where this goes. I'm very intrigued. This book is Adelaide by Genevieve Wheeler. Okay, yes. Well, report back. I sure will. <sighs> well, I'm right. worried about Adelaide. I got to say, I really I know. am. <laughs> that kind of, maybe you need to read that soon because you, you know. I do sound be. jazzed, huh? Yeah, you do sound like it Mm. intrigued you. All right. I am finishing up with my most anticipated book of April. Tina, you've already heard about it, as have our patrons, because I brought it to a mailbag episode way back in January. It is Small Mercies by Dennis Lehane. Comes out April 25th. This is the one I told you to sit down and read? Yes, I haven't. I'm afraid I... I, (sighs) You've told I have had a copy of this since I think November, and I'm I haven't read it because I'm afraid to read it. <laughs> and so it's now on my books on the radar because mm-hmm. I must read it. It's coming out in April. I love Dennis Lehane, and therefore that's why I am afraid. Now, this is crime fiction. This is set in the summer of 1974 when a heat wave blankets Boston, and you have main character, Mary Pat Fennessy. She is trying to stay one step ahead of the bill collectors. Mary Pat has lived her entire life in the housing projects of Southie, which is the Irish-American enclave that stubbornly adheres to old tradition and stands proudly apart. One night, Mary Pat's teenage daughter, Jules, stays out late and doesn't come home. And that very same evening, a young black man is found dead, having been struck by a subway train under mysterious circumstances. So the two events seem unconnected, but Mary Pat, who is propelled by a desperate search for her missing daughter, begins turning over stones best left untouched. She starts asking questions around the neighborhood that get back to and bother someone named Marty Butler, and he is chief of the Irish mob. And those questions also bother the men who work for Marty, men who don't take kindly to anyone, man or woman, who threatens their business. All right, that is all we need to know because we are in the hands 
of Dennis Lee Hayne. <laughs> it's going to be good, but I'm afraid because what if it's not? And I'm going to, so I have to read it. I have to just sit down and do it. The reason that I have built this up so much for myself, he is one of my top, top favorite authors. I've read almost all of his books. And he's one of the only authors that I have ever seen more than once in person. And I got his autograph on one of the books. And the last time I saw him, which was March 5th of 2020, he said he wasn't writing any more novels because he was busy with screenplays. Cut to COVID, cut to screenplays and TV shows not being made. And here we are with this much anticipated book. Plus, the publisher says, quote, it's a masterpiece to rival Mystic River. And those are some big shoes to fill. And all of this is creating a lot of anticipation for me. So I, I'm going to do it. I'm going to read it soon. I do promise. It's Small Mercies by Dennis Lehane. All right. Well, you promised. So I'm going to hold I, you to I, that. Well, I, I am. I've just kept it as that little gift to myself that's just waiting and waiting and waiting, and I have to find out. All right. Well, hopefully you'll find out soon. All right. So the current read that I'm reading or, you know, that I've <laughs> I've actually started this a long time ago, but I did not have the audio, so I kind of lost track of it a little bit, but this is going to be my weekend audiobook. It is The Only Survivors by Megan Miranda this one is read by a full cast, so I'm real excited about it. It is my catnip trope. Something happened when they were kids. We know what happened. There was a big accident, and only nine of them or so survived a bus crash. And so every year, uh, the nine of them got together. They are now adults, but one by one, they start not surviving. Uh, So we have to figure out what's going on. Something's fishy, like what's happening with these survivors. So very intrigued. Of course, I will report back. And after this, I hope to get out of my mystery and thriller rut. (laughs) What about you? I am currently reading an April release. It's Love Like This by Cynthia Newberry Martin. Now, this is not going to be for everyone, but I am actually about 23% into this on my Kindle. I only have the ebook of this. And I, even if I had the audio, I'm going to stick with the ebook. I'm really liking it. This is about... Angelina and Will. And for the first time in 22 years, they have the house to themselves. They are empty nesters. They have just taken their third daughter to college. And Angelina is left with no idea what she wants. But she's counting on having a quiet, empty house to figure it out. However, Nine days into their child-free life, Will, her husband, who always left the house by eight and returned at six, is all of a sudden home all day, every day. So this in turn causes Angelina to make a sudden decision and things are really not going as either of them planned. So as their life together becomes increasingly tense and their days apart become increasingly comfortable, it looks like Who actually gets the empty house? Maybe a surprise to both of them. So this story will drop the reader into an inside of a long-term marriage where us as the reader will be screaming, either stay 
or go as we all weigh the value of sticking with the familiar versus the value of venturing into the unknown. I will say, I am really liking this. Uh, the thing that that drew me into it was the empty nest story, and mm-hmm. I am at that stage in my life. So I do think this is going to appeal to certain readers. I really like it so far. It's a character-driven. It's definitely a, a day-to-day existence type of story with a literary slant that I'm really liking. There's already been passages that have hit me out of the blue because the author has made observations of things that I realized I was doing as a mom or that I was thinking, but then I never thought they this could possibly be universal, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Sure. So it's really connecting me with the story. Uh, I'm very intrigued to see how this goes off the rails because I think it's going to. So we'll see. It's Love Like This by Cynthia Newberry Martin. That one sounds great. I haven't like heard a premise quite like that. So I hope you hope it finishes strong. I know. I there's like I said, it's gonna appeal to, I don't know, a select group, but maybe not. I'd be really curious to see how some like you who are you're not close to being in an empty nest. <laughs> phase of life. Don't remind me. <laughs> <laughs> but would you even like something like this? I would love to I would love to know, but it might not be something that would be on your radar to read. All right. Well, may have Good for I'll... book clubs though. Good, good for, for book, book clubs. Would be good for book clubs. Yeah. Yes. I love the concept. All right. Well, that's it, right? Are we finished? Yes. We did it. All right. That's it for today. We thank you so much for spending a part of your day with us. Links to all the books mentioned can be found in the show notes. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can help us by following us wherever you listen and by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us get our show out to new listeners and grows our audience. And like I mentioned at the top of the show, if you'd like access to that exclusive bonus content, please join us for $5 a month on patreon.com slash booktalk, etc. If you'd like to connect with us, email us at booktalketc at gmail.com. You can also find us both on Instagram at booktalk, etc. Tina at TBR, etc. And me, Renee, at It's Book Talk. Talk to you next week. In the meantime, remember, everything's better with books. sleeping yes obviously (laughs) you know what that reminded me of when lily's a baby and like when they're real little and you startle them and they go oh their little hands flail (laughs) oh my gosh oh my god well shit okay